just love that video. Like I've watched it a ton. I know. I'm just like, woo! Because today we're talking about becoming bold revolutionaries. And I just want you to know we really were made to change the world. And I want to give you guys a modern day example of a bold revolutionary. Her name is Katie Davis. She just turned 23. But when she was about between her sophomore and junior year, she began to look at her life and she began to notice, you know, it really didn't look a lot like the disciples or the New Testament believers. It was not bold. And she began to process that and pray about that. And she had the opportunity between her junior and her senior year to go on a mission trip in Uganda to serve in an orphanage. And something happened when she was over there and she didn't even realize it. But God got a hold of her heart because she fell in love with Uganda and she fell in love with those children. Because when she left there, she just kept thinking, who is going to tell these children about the love of Jesus? And she found herself as a senior sitting in her classroom in high school, looking at the clock and wondering, what time exactly is it in Uganda? And when she finished high school, when all of her friends were buying things for their dorm, she had asked her parents to allow her to delay college by one year so she could go to Uganda and that she could serve as a kindergarten teacher in this village of Jinja for the school that was run by this small, small, small church. And I want to tell you what, what's happened in the past five years since she's been there. Because at the end of her first year, when she was supposed to come home, she called her parents and said, I, I'm not coming. Because here's what I want you to know today. When it comes to becoming a bold revolutionary, our phrase is going to be, we're just going to boldly go. It's going to remind you of Star Trek. My husband had a hard time listening to the first service. Because we're going to boldly go where people aren't going. Because I don't know if you know this, but the world really just doesn't care about those around us. Because the world teaches you to be all about you. But Katie wanted to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And since she's been there in the five years, she, has, she feeds weekly 2,000 children that wouldn't have food otherwise. She's acquired monthly sponsors for 400 children. They can have food. They can have a uniform, they can go to school, and not only that, she has figured a way out through these monthly scholarships. When they get out of high school, they can go to a university or a vocational school of their choice. Because she is investing in the country of Uganda by teaching these children about Jesus and educating them so that they can run this country in the years to come. And what's most interesting about this story to me is that the Lord has given her 13 children of her own to take care of. Over in Uganda, you can't adopt kids until they're 25. So she is the foster parent, the care parent of 13 children that she could find no blood relative for. And she says, that was never my plan to adopt anyone. Some people thought, oh, that's, they kind of romanticized it. And she says, that's not what I thought. But the Lord shared to me, I want you to adopt them because it is a picture of redemption and my love for them. Children who are unloved, you adopt them, you love them, and I will love them through you. You see, if we're going to become bold revolutionaries, we got to be willing to boldly go. And before we get started looking at Acts 4, I want to open us up in prayer. Father God, we're so glad to be here. And I just thank you for the folks, their hearts that are here God, I just ask that you would move us today because we really, really, really were made for so much more. Do not let us settle, Jesus. Divide this message in however many ways you need to. 
so that when each one of us walks out of here, we know we heard from you, God, not me, but you. Bind anything in me that's not of you. God, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Well, while you're turning to Acts 4, let me just catch you up to what's happened in Acts 1 through 3, because it's a really great story. We know that uh, Jesus, at the end of the Gospels, right, he was crucified, but what did Jesus, God, do? He raised him again from the dead. Jesus still lives. And so after he rose again from the dead, he appeared to his disciples and followers of a period of about 40 days. And in Acts 1.8, he tells his disciples, his followers, he says, listen, I want you to wait here because you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And when it comes on you, you will go out and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. So when Acts 2 opens up, we know it is called Pentecost. That's the biblical word of what's going down here. And so there is Peter and all the disciples, and they are boldly going because they're going to a room to wait for something, and they have no idea what it is. That's some boldness. That's some faith. And so we know that the Holy Spirit comes down, and he fills all of these disciples, and it kind of gets loud. And then Peter has an opportunity to teach to thousands of people. And at the end of chapter 2, it reads this way, that 3,000 people were added to their number that day. They got baptized and they were added to that number. So here we are in Acts 2. God is already building his church. And I want to tell you something. When you are a Christ follower and God leads you to boldly go and do something, I want you to know he's going to go with you and he's going to empower you. And I want you to know that what you do in the power of the Holy Spirit, you could never do on your own power. So already there's 3,000 people that are in this new church that God is starting that's believing on the name of Jesus. So, Acts 3 opens up, and let me just tell you what's happened, because this new church, they would meet in homes and different buildings, but they would also go to the temple and meet. And one of the ways that Peter and John, they boldly go, is Peter would teach. And he would boldly proclaim the gospel news of Jesus Christ. And that would be this, that Jesus lived and he died. He was crucified for our sins but that God raised him from the dead, that those who believe in him would have everlasting life. And so on his way into the temple, there was a man who was 40 years old, and he had been lame for 40 years, his entire life. And every morning, family would bring him and set him at the temple near this gate called the Gate of Beautiful. And he sees Peter and John walking in. And the way Hebrew custom was is when someone would ask you for a coin that was like that, that needed obvious help, It was just known that you would give them something. And so this man, he looked over at Peter and John, and he asked them for some change. And Peter, fixing his eyes on him, said to the man, look at us. And that man thought he was about to get a couple of coins. And Peter said this, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. I want you to know the most valuable thing as a Christ follower we have to give to people is the name of Jesus. That is why we can boldly go. And so then Peter reaches down with his right hand, and as he is pulling up this man, 40 years old, instantly the Word of God says that strength was renewed in his ankles and his feet. And it says that he lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones were given strength, and he was leaping up, and he stood, and he walked, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. 
I want you to know something. That day, two things happened to that man. The first thing was this. He was physically healed. But the cool thing is this. When he became physically healed, it made a way for God to soften his heart and for him to become spiritually healed. Because now this man, who was spiritually dead, who was far from God, because of what happened to him physically, he chose Jesus and he believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they are walking in the temple. This man is going with him. He's never walked before. So you can just imagine the scene, right? I mean, it is like, woohoo, look at me. I mean, he is jumping and toe touching. I just, I just think it was unbelievable. And while he is doing that, people are walking by. And number one, they're looking at him because they're thinking, that's strange. But then they're also looking because they're thinking, you know what? All these years I've come to the temple and I, Bob, look at him. I could have sworn that's the man that's been on that mat all those years. Is that him? That's what's going on. So a crowd begins to get around Peter and John and this man who has no name. But they're all them around him, and Peter sees this, and he begins to teach. And he says, yeah, men of Israel, why in the world do you look at me as if we would have some sort of power that could do this? And then he proceeds to share the gospel message. And he says this, by faith in the name of Jesus this man whom you see and know was made strong, and it is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. So this man being healed was evidence that Jesus was alive at work through the Holy Spirit in the church. And then Peter gave an altar call. He said, listen, you were ignorant in your ways, ignorant in your ways, and you just about seven, eight, nine weeks ago, you people all cried for them to free Barabbas and kill Jesus. You didn't know any better, but here's what I'm telling you. You repent of your sins, and you can have eternal life and enjoy the refreshing of the Lord. And so while Peter is teaching, Acts 4 opens up, and I need you to know, when you boldly go, you just need to expect resistance. There is going to be some people that are going to say, yeah, that's not true. That, yeah, really. You can get to heaven some other way. They're, they're just going to be that way. They're going to be uncomfortable with what you have to say. But you just boldly go, because here's what you know. The places that God directs you, he's going to go with you. Just don't worry about it. So here he is, he's teaching this, and there's a group of a religious sect called the Sadducees. And they don't believe in resurrection. That's pretty much, Peter's teaching about that. And they become upset, so they order the temple guards to arrest Peter and John. He's trying to shut them down. And I want you to know what the enemy thought was going to shut them down. Man, it just, it just lit those people up. Because it says in verse 4, that, But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to be about 5,000. So they're hauling off Peter and John, and people are like accepting Jesus left and right. And these are just men. So here's what we've got. Acts 2, we have 3,000 people come to know Jesus. Now, the beginning of Acts 4, we have another 5,000 just men. That doesn't include men and women. And I am just telling you, when we boldly go exponentially, the Holy Spirit just multiplies in a way we could never imagine. And unbelievable things happen. Just amazing. Now, Peter and John, they're part of a group, like a part of a, a church of their own. And it would not have taken long for this news to have gotten back that Peter and John had gotten arrested. Now, clearly, I was not there. However... I would have imagined that if I had been in that church and Peter and John were kind of my leaders and someone I just looked up to, I would have become fearful for them. 
because Peter and John were going to have to go stand in front of the Sanhedrin, which was the same court just several weeks earlier that had chosen to crucify Jesus. So I imagine that they began to pray over the situation. But here's the cool thing about that. Although it looked a little scary from the outside, God himself had put Peter and John in a situation to come in front of this court of 71 who's who's of religious leaders and share the gospel message. It's just neat how God can put us where he wants to put us. And here's the deal. When you get up in the morning, if you will just choose, God, help me to live boldly for you. When you come to those situations that seem slightly scary, it will not be a trouble for you because you will have already decided to be bold. So Peter and John, they're arrested. They have to spend the night. And I wonder when they were in jail, if they remember back in Mark 13, 11, Jesus said this to them. He said, listen, whenever you are arrested and tried, not if, but whenever you are arrested and tried, listen, don't you worry about what to say because whatever is given to you at the time is going to come from the Holy Spirit and you'll know what to say. So don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit will tell you exactly what to say. So the next morning, they bring out Peter and John, and I also need to tell you that they sent for the lame man too. Okay? I just imagine this man has been smiling nonstop. Like, I imagine when he got up the next morning, he probably even, like, in the bed, wiggled his feet to see if it was legit. Like, had he really been healed, or had that been an incredible dream? Unbelievable. And here's the cool thing. When God uses you and you boldly go, like, it's undeniable when God shows up. People can't explain it. And you don't have to. You just go, that's just God. That's just how he rolls. So they bring them all in. They're surrounded like in a semicircle around these 71 men. And they say to them this in verse 7. By what power or name did you do this? And that's the same question they asked Jesus back in Mark, Matthew 21. They're trying to figure out, you're doing all this stuff. By what power are you doing this? And you see, when they ask Peter and John by what name, here's what that means because it's very interesting. It's not just like whose name is it because a name doesn't just identify like the person. It refers to the reputation of that person, their power, and their authority. So they're saying, by whose power, by whose authority, by whose reputation are you doing all this? And then it says at verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, And I want to stop there, because here is Peter, and they are just boldly going. They are doing the thing that God has put in their heart to do, and that's to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because just like 2,000 years ago, they lived in a world that was dying and going to hell, and we do also. And it says here that the Holy Spirit filled Peter. Now, back in chapter 2 of the book of Acts, he first received the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you this. The moment you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, the Holy Spirit comes to live in, live in you just like that. But what's interesting about God, because he's God, is he knows what your days are going to contain, and he empowers you accordingly. So... As your day goes, so shall your strength shall be. So for this day, Peter needed a bold message to share with these rulers. Have you ever thought of a time where you have heard this, or this is true of you, where you have been talking to someone, and it's really a situation you're not even really sure what to say, and then all of a sudden, like, smart stuff just starts coming out of your mouth, and you're like, dude, that was so good. Like, you know what I'm talking about? And so, um, yeah, and then when you sit back, you're like, that was totally you, God. You know, and, and like, I just want to tell you, like, that's what it is. Like, when the Holy Spirit fills us to go boldly where he calls us, he gives us what we have to say. 
just a couple weeks ago, I had someone that wanted to meet with me. Um, and so as I was getting in my car, it was just a normal day. It was just a day that ends in Y and nothing spectacular. But I remember as I got in my car, I just thought, Lord, I, I don't feel very spiritual or very holy. I don't really know how this is going to run. But I'm just going to boldly go. And I'm believing that you are going to give me what I need. And just so you know, he did. He said exactly what that woman needed to hear that resonated with her heart that directed her back to Jesus. It was so cool. So here Peter is. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he begins this way. He says, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to this man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. Because that word healed, when Peter says it in Greek, he's, it doesn't just mean physical healing. He's talking about that he was spiritually healed. He says, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. And I imagine those 71 religious know-it-alls just sat there and thought, Jesus, there's that name again. We thought we got rid of him several weeks ago. But now these two yahoos are telling us that this man right here that we all have known to be lame for 40 years, who is clearly healed, they're telling us that it is in the name of Jesus that he was healed. And they were like, what in the world do we do with that? And then he goes on, because Peter's bold. And so these men who... Their job is to tell people how to get it right and go to heaven, what you have to do. Peter says this, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Salvation is found nowhere else. I don't care what the world tells you. I don't care what society tries to sell you. But that is the same message today. There is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. There's no other name. I was reading the book Radical, and there's a story in there. It's by, Radical is by a gentleman named Dave Platt. And he tells the story of an old preaching professor. And every semester he would take his students out to a cemetery, and they would gather around a section of the graveyard where the tombstones were in a semicircle. And when everybody kind of had gotten around near some tombstones, some grave sites, he said to them, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick a tombstone, and I want you to call that person up out of the ground, and you command them to rise up and live. And there was chuckles. These young college students, they're like, that's not going to work. But that professor, he, he, didn't, he didn't change his face. He was serious. So they began looking at Tombstone, Edna Smith, in the name of Bob, because that's who was talking to him. I just command you to rise up and walk. And one by one, this just happened. When everyone had finished and nothing had happened, this is what the professor communicated to this class. He says, the people that you are living with are spiritually dead, just like the corpses in this cemetery that you are standing around are physically dead, 
people that we are doing life with are spiritually dead, and only Jesus Christ can bring them to spiritual life. That is why we go boldly, because that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. I mean, clearly, is there anything that we're going to go up against that's going to be harder than raising somebody from the dead? No. But because of what Jesus did and because of our eternal salvation, we have the opportunity to go boldly and share the news with others of how sins can be forgiven in Jesus Christ. And then you take it a step further and you share how he has done that to you personally. Because when I share my testimony with someone, I don't I tell them what Jesus did because there is no other name by which we can be saved, and that is the name of Jesus. But then I tell them, I need to let you know he's a personal God. And I want you to know how he's helped me do my life. He's saved me from hell and promised me eternal life. But not only that, he helps me every single day. Because I want you to know that wherever God calls you to boldly go, he will give you what you need for the task at hand. Ephesians 2.10 reminds us that God prepared beforehand the works that he's going to call you to do. Like, you're just fitting right into his plan. Philippians 2.13 says, It is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You see, Katie Davis is over there in Uganda, and she would tell you it is hard. But she would also tell you that it is a good kind of hard, and that she gets to watch and experience Jesus in a way she never imagined. It's unbelievable because she's willing to boldly go. So let me give you some examples for us because we don't have to move to Uganda to be bold, all right? And I need to tell you, too, this bold thing is not pushy, it's not obnoxious, and it's not down your throat. It's gentle. It's just sharing out of a confidence that you know, that you know, that you know what Jesus has done for you. And you cannot help but share this news with others. Because it has so changed your life. It has so changed your marriage. It has so changed the way you do every day. Let me give you a few examples. Maybe you have children that are older or maybe grown, and you still miss having a child in your house. Maybe for you, boldly going would be fostering a child. Or maybe for years you have had a a desire to go on a mission trip, kind of that nagging thing that kind of happens, and you've kind of just disregarded it. Maybe for you, boldly going would be, if you went on a mission trip, Westridge, we go to Burkina Faso. That is a village that the prophets from the coffee bar support. And you would go and see the wells that we build there. And you would meet our missionaries that are on the ground that share the love of Jesus with people every single day. There's a gentleman at the East Campus, and I heard about him in a meeting. And apparently, what, one of the ways he boldly goes is he has cookouts on his front yard. And he invites his neighbors And they come, and he feeds them, and they fellowship. Because I don't know if you know this, but when we begin to meet physical needs for people, it gives us the opportunity to share the love of Jesus and for God to soften their heart so they can hear from him. And so he's been having these cookouts for a while now, and I want you to know he's invited lots of people, but so far he has 15 families from his neighborhoods now going to Westridge just with cookouts. In fact, the joke in the meeting was, we're going to have to move him to a new subdivision soon because he's running out of neighbors. And I just thought, wow, that is some boldly going. Or what if you decide to become intentional about the relationships you are developing? You see some people that you know, they are hurting. Because just like that video said, like we got to be willing to get involved. 
to get messy, to change our plans and not do what's on our page. When God calls us to go, we boldly go and do the thing he has set before us. Or maybe it's Christmas time. Maybe you know of some children that don't have a lot. So what if you invited them to your house and you had a birthday party for Jesus? You had a cake, all the things you had with a birthday party. And then what if you shared about Jesus with them? And then you took it a step further and you gave them a gift. You had a toy for each one of them that says, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. And he put on my heart to buy this for you. Wow. That'd be unbelievable. I have a seven-year-old friend. Seven-year-old friends are very easy. They just really want you to give them a good snack. And I, I can do that. And what's so neat about this little girl is she came to know Jesus when she was about five. And I want you to know, everywhere she goes, Jesus is on the forefront of her mind. Like if a child falls down on the playground, she will go over to them and she will pat them and she'll say, listen, don't cry, Jesus is here with us. And then she'll start in, do you know Jesus? Let me tell you about Jesus. He is my friend and he goes everywhere I go. And then she will proceed to say, would you like to invite Jesus in your heart? And then she will lead them in a prayer. This is a girl. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Seven years old, you can boldly go. Katie Davis, 18 when she went to Uganda. You can be 82. It doesn't matter. But you can boldly go wherever God leads and know that he is so going to empower you. So Glenn, uh, my husband, is Glenn, and he tells me this story about a couple weeks ago, and uh, one of his friends shared this with him, and we always love cool God stories because they just bless our faith, and they just remind us, he's still real, keep going, he's got this. You know, that's kind of what we think. And so he, uh, apparently there had been a group of believers that loved Jesus, and they had, uh, there was a woman who had two children, and she was financially in some serious dire straits. And so apparently just a group of people that loved Jesus got together and gave some money to this woman. I think it was a good amount of money. And so this man, he brings it over to her, and he just says, hey, listen, I have some friends that love God, and they just wanted me to give this to you, and they just wanted you to know that God loves you, and you matter to him. And this woman, she just had a hard row of it, a hard time. She was so overwhelmed. She had felt so forgotten about God. And there she was, these people she didn't even know would give her all this money. She told them, I'm going to be going to church. You see, these people, they met this physical need, but where is it taking her? It's going to take her where she's going to get the spiritual need met that she doesn't even know she has because she's so far from God. So there's Peter and John. They've just laid out this incredible gossip message with all boldness, with all just amazingness. And they look at them in verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed was standing right there with them, there was nothing they could say. So there's Peter and John. They're confident of what Christ is and who he is and what he's doing. And they're confident of the Old Testament scriptures because the Holy Spirit is bringing them to mind for them. And I need you to know, these men were unschooled and common, ordinary. They were us. They didn't have a, a, any kind of rabbinical training. Most of us in here probably don't know Greek and Hebrew real fluently, right? But here's what I want you to know. So many times I hear people say, I'm going to bring so-and-so to church so, so y'all can tell them about Jesus. And I'm thinking, 
You can tell him about Jesus. Because God majors in. He is just so amazing. He is all about using ordinary and unlikely people to do extraordinary things. Because the truth is, when God uses us, when, they, when God used Peter and John, they were just amazed. And they knew. Everyone was said, filled with, filled, was filled with wonder and amazement, the word of God says, when that man got healed. And even commentaries say that even people who didn't really believe in Jesus, they gave him credit that day for that healing. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. So they didn't know what to do with Peter and John, and there's this man that's healed, and it's just like they're in a conundrum. I like that word. And so they're in a predicament. There's no word for it. And so they tell Peter and John, okay, could you all go out in the hall for a second? So they send Peter and John out in the hall, and they begin to talk amongst themselves and say, listen, we can't deny what has happened to this man because everyone in Jerusalem knows. And just so you know, in the Greek, that word everyone, it means everyone. So they're like, what are we going to do? So they go, okay, okay, we got it. They bring him back in, and they say in verse 18, here's the deal. They called him back in, and they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John replied, this in stereo stuff, I love this. Which is right in God's eyes, listening to you or to him? Because those religious leaders should have known the answer to that one. And then he goes on, you be the judge. But as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. In the Greek, that word cannot, it's a, it's a double negative, and it, a, a, a more accurate way of saying it would be this, is um, it's impossible. It is absolutely impossible for us not to speak about what we've seen and heard. We, we, we can't do it. We cannot not talk about what we've seen and heard. You see, this boldness springs from something that has happened inside of us. It's when we find Jesus Christ and we just recognize this Jesus has changed my life. Everything I've been looking for and longing for, it's him. I found it in him. And I recognize that I have the forgiveness of my sins and the promise of eternal life. And I have a peace that passes understanding. And I have love for people that I used to hate. And I have a joy and a strength that I have never known before. All because of this Jesus. How can I not be bold? How can I not willingly do the thing that God is leading me to do and boldly go? So these men, they keep threatening Peter and John for a little while longer. They couldn't punish them because everybody was praising God for what they had done. So clearly that would not have gone over well if they wanted to get reelected. So they released them. For this man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So Peter and John, where do they go? They go back to their church family who's been praying for them. And they share, what's happened? You're never going to believe this one. And you should have seen the look on so-and-so's face when I said the word salvation. It was unbelievable. Like, I bet this whole thing was going on. And then this group of believers began to praise God. And then they began to pray. And I want to show you what they prayed. They didn't ask for protection from God. They didn't ask for God to remove those guys from office. Instead, they asked for boldness. In verse 29, Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant. In the midst of opposition, they asked for boldness and for God to crank up his power 
for there to be healing to the sick, and they would be able to perform, perform signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. See, Matthew 28, Jesus gives the Great Commission, and it wasn't just to the disciples that day, it's to all of us. Because he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Do, do you understand that? All authority. There is nothing that Jesus Christ does not have any authority over. Anything that is over my head is under his feet. And then he goes on, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. On my way in this morning, I was listening to a song, and it's called Follow You, and I wanted to read the words. Because I think that will be our prayer for Westridge, that we would pray for boldness, and that we would follow God wherever he leads, and we'd be willing to get messy emotionally, relationally. Maybe it's helping somebody else for not financially, but we'd be willing to do those things that God is calling us to do. And it reads like this. I'll follow you, Jesus, into the homes of the broken. I'll follow you into the world. I'll meet the needs of the poor and the needy, God. I'll follow you into the world. Use my hands and use my feet to make your kingdom come to the corners of the earth until your work is done. Man, I want to challenge you today because we're heading into Christmas. And it just seems like at Christmas time, needs just kind of always rise to the top. I want to challenge you when you get up for the next 30 days just to ask this one thing from God. God, would you grant me boldness? As you're doing your life and he shows you where to go, would he grant you boldness? Boldness to speak it, boldness to do it, boldness to give it, boldness to serve that way. Would he give you boldness? Would he give you boldness? Because as I was thinking about this whole thing, I thought, i got to tell you all the silver lining. The silver line is this, is if you will boldly go where God has called you to go, he's going to use you in amazing ways, and the people around you will be impacted and changed for all eternity. And you will be changing your world. But I need you to know, you will meet Jesus Christ in a way that you never imagined. All of a sudden, you will have this relationship with him, and you will think, I had no idea it could be like this. I had no idea that the God of the universe would be so involved and walk with me like this, and we could be so close. It's amazing. All because you're willing to boldly go. That would be our prayer. Would you be willing to pray that for boldness? And there are some of you here today, you're just thinking, hey, Susie, the boldest thing I can do right now is get to church. And I get that. I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. And I just want to encourage you, maybe for you the next 30 days, that you would ask Jesus to soften your heart, to make your heart one with his again. Maybe life's just gotten really hard and you've become kind of frazzled and it just seems like there's just no time for that. Ask him. Maybe you spend time in prayer. When I'm in that place where I feel like my heart is hard, I will pray to God and I will say to him, God, I am praying to you right now, but I feel nothing. I pray that you would change that. Because whatever you tell him, he can handle it. Because he already knows it. He already knows it. 
And if you're here today and you're visiting and you're like, I have never heard about this Jesus, or I just never realized that salvation is found only in him, and I, I, I want him. I just want you to know, just from your seat right now, it's just a simple prayer. You just ask him into your heart. You just confess, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I've been doing life by myself, and clearly it's not been going very well. But man, God, would you forgive me? Would you come in, Jesus? Would you be the Lord of my life? And then you can ask him for boldness. Because we were made for this to change the world. Do not be deceived and think that God cannot use you. Every one of us here has a part in discipling all of the nations. Ask him what your part is and then boldly go. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're just grateful that you would just do so much for us. And God, that you would invite us to share this message is just unbelievable. And Lord, I pray that we will be a church that will be willing to boldly go, Lord. That we would do, Lord, the things that you call us to do with great boldness. And God, that we would be the hands and feet of you. God, we are grateful for you. We love you. We thank you for all that you give us. In Jesus' name.